0: We are not done yet. We got one speaker, uh, Rashid Reno. He's going to round, round up the day with uh, a speech on compassion in a time of crisis. Rashid Reno. I shall do la illa who wah la sharikalahu. When I shall anna Mohammedan Abduhu or a solo. Amabadu faudu bila himina she ton irrajeem. Bismillah Respected Na- Naiba Mir Sab, distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, as-salamu alaykum wa Over the last decade, we've witnessed growing intolerance around the world. The hateful rhetoric used by extreme groups and some politicians has grown significantly. Muslims in various places around the world have been experiencing this type of hatred at an increasing rate since the tragedy of 9-11. With the advent of social media, the rhetoric has only increased and has fooled many misinformed people into believing utter nonsense. In this regard, my personal situation is somewhat unique. I am a convert to Islam and the only Muslim amongst my extended family. I have relatives of various religious and political backgrounds. Most are Christians, but many do not have any religious affiliation. Some are pretty far to the left, and then some are even further to the right. Unfortunately, some of them have fallen into the trap of hateful intolerance. Nowhere is this more visible than on social media. Several years back, I had deactivated my Facebook account, feeling that it was just a waste of time. However, a few years ago, it came to my attention that that anti-Muslim hate propaganda was being promoted by my own kin so I, c- I felt compelled to reactivate it and respond. I've been able to tame much of the obnoxious propaganda to a degree, however, I still come across such posts every so often. Consider the following post from Facebook shared by two of my relatives just a short while back. It's a long post, so I'll just share the first couple of lines. The real reason Thomas Jefferson owned a copy of the Quran a 232-year history of our fight against Islam and why it is no longer taught in our public schools. When Thomas Jefferson saw that there was no negotiating with Muslims, he formed what is now the Marines. Wow, who would have known that the US Marine Corps exists for the purpose of fighting Islam? The Post goes on to tell the story of the conflict of the Barbary states, interwoven with this type of hate-filled rhetoric the whole way through. Or how about this meme from just a few weeks ago? How stupid are we? We allow our government to flood our nation with Muslims, give them welfare for life with multiple wives, and then tell us that we must not offend them or we will go to prison. Islamic immigration has destroyed every country in Europe and will destroy both Canada and the US. Are we so stupid that we'll stand by and watch this happen to our country? It's not easy to see such blatant hate propaganda posted by family about you and your faith. Sadly, these posts demonstrate how ignorant and gullible so many in America are when it comes to stereotyping people that are different or that they know very little about. In politics, divisive attitudes are not confined to just one side of the aisle. There is plenty of it on both sides. I often see posts from friends and family coming across my feed that speak out against bipartisanship. Sometimes they even consider any attempt to compromise with the other party a kind of betrayal which only further polarizes the political landscape. Having this kind of attitude towards bipartisanship is toxic. Refusing to compromise with a half or a third of the country that disagrees with you is not constructive. Separating yourself based on political views destroys any chance at fruitful dialogue and only ensures that those on the other side never really understand your viewpoint. This type of approach has led to echo chambers where people only listen to those who hold a biased view. They listen only to biased news sources that agree with their views and confirm their biases. Bias commentators that gloss over facts that don't comply with their views or try and spin those facts to make them say what they want to. On social media, it becomes so extreme that unsourced claims are presented that aren't even based on facts but completely fake information. The The anonymity of social media enables these people to go overboard and say things that they wouldn't normally say in person. Echo chambers seldom promote the idea of real dialogue and cooperation but rather cast their opponents as evil and immoral. Far from cooperating with these evil people, it becomes of the utmost importance to dig your heels in and oppose them at all costs. They must be feared, not compromised with. And so disagreement turns into hostility and then eventually extremism and violence. Who remembers the whole creeping Sharia fiasco from a few years back? This was a perfect example of hate propaganda based on an irrational fear that cannot be substantiated in any way. Yet it influenced millions across America. There were even bills in several states that were actually voted on without any real example of Muslims attempting to implement Islamic Sharia anywhere in the US legal system. With it, along with tons of other anti-Muslim hate propaganda, we saw a rise in hate crimes against Muslims. Muslim women assaulted, mosques attacked. Now we see synagogues and churches being attacked. What has America become when we can no longer feel safe in a house of God and have to beef up security? It's time for change. We need to have constructive dialogue instead of backing into our safe spaces where we can say whatever we want to about others without being questioned. This starts by changing the way we speak to and about each other. We need to dress one another with respect. Just because someone disagrees with you does not make them evil. One thing that surprises me is how quickly some people jump to such an extreme, comparing others to the most murderous tyrants in history, like Hitler or Stalin. Likewise, abusive language does not work. If you use harsh and abusive language against your opponent, you're not gonna convince them of anything. Any self-respecting person is gonna block you out if you poison the well. At that point, you're just preaching to the choir or trying to impress like-minded people. Don't make it more about your ego than honest discourse. The Holy Quran says, call unto the way of the Lord with wisdom and goodly exhortation, and argue with them in a way that is best. Arguing arguing with them in a way that is best means remaining composed. It means we do so with dignity, kindness, and good intentions. The purpose of our discourse is to create an understanding not to further create dissension or satisfy our egos. It also means that we use reason and logic instead of sticking to a point that defies logic. Sometimes another idea is better than our own, and sometimes there's more than one way to achieve the same result. People come from different backgrounds with different perspectives. A person from a rural area may have different views and experiences than someone from the city. Likewise, people from different places in the world may differ. What works in one place may not work so well in another. It is important that we try and understand those perspectives and treat one another with respect. Echo chambers prevent one from understanding the other side's point of view. They give biased commentary and misrepresent opposing views. Sometimes a view from an extremist is passed off as a majority view. In many cases, if we actually engage in dialogue with the other person, we would understand their viewpoint. While we may not come to agreement, we may gain some understanding and respect for their views. A little empathy can go a long way. As Muslims, we have seen this time and again where the extreme views of terrorists are cast as mainstream. If the people who fall victim to believing this took the time to actually reach out and understand what we actually believe, then they wouldn't have unnecessary fears based on erroneous conclusions. Good discourse requires good listening. Mud-slinging is all too common in today's discourse. Rather than debating actual disagreements on their merits, many seek to damage the reputation of their opponents to turn others away from them. Mudslinging and character assassination are not a path to civil discourse. I want to share a story about the promised Messiah and founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, may peace be upon him, and his example in this regard. In 1897, some of his opponents conspired to fabricate a charge of conspiracy to commit murder against him. A witness came forward, a Mr. Abdul Hamid who claimed that the Promised Messiah offered to pay him in order to murder Dr. Martin Clark, a Christian missionary who was a critic of Islam and the Promised Messiah. One of the witnesses called was Mulvi Muhammad Hussein, who was a vociferous opponent of the Promised Messiah and would frequently make attacks against him. Not wanting to miss out on an opportunity, he willingly came forward to testify against him as a character witness. During cross-examination, the defense attorney began a line of questioning that sought to attack his character. But the Promised Messiah immediately stopped him. The lawyer indicated that it was in his best interest to do so, but the Promised Messiah refused to denigrate his opponent and had complete trust that God would protect him. He preferred to stay focused on the matter at hand and not allow character assassination to affect the outcome. Ultimately, Abdul Hamid confessed to concocting the story at the behest of Dr. Clark, and the false charges were dropped. Thus, the promised Messiah was exonerated without slinging mud against a witness who was there for that very purpose. Perhaps the most important principle that we need to follow in our discourse is that of honesty. Sometimes spin doctors will stop at nothing to come up with the most ridiculous arguments. Exploring an argument is one thing, but when we spin an argument to try and stretch the truth, it violates the principles of honesty. We must also avoid letting our egos get caught up in the discussion and push aside the truth in favor of winning the argument. It is human nature to want to be right, and it can become easy to dig your heels in and stubbornly defend a point, even when it becomes clear that you're wrong. Our ego will get in the way of being objective, and then we'll begin to look foolish. The Qur'an warns, and restrain thy voice, verily, the most disagreeable sound is the brain of a donkey. Likewise with stating things that we do not know to be true. With the Facebook posts that I shared, the people posting them had no idea if they were true, and took no effort to verify them. Many of the, these internet memes have been debunked a dozen, a, ta- a dozen times by different fact checkers, and a mere 30 seconds on Google would make that obvious. Yet, either out of sheer laziness, ignorance, or simply wanting to believe something that is false, some people just don't bother to check. Quite often, there will be times when people are just not able to agree. When this, is, when this occurs, it's best for, just, for us to just agree to disagree And leave it at that. We should avoid allowing our discourse to become heated. If we start getting angry, then it's time to walk away. Saying things in anger is seldom productive, and you're likely to say something that you will regret. There are people who love to argue, but don't necessarily believe what they're saying. There are countless internet trolls out there that get a thrill out of getting a rise out of you. When you lash out in anger, then they have achieved their objective. Some, as we saw in the 2016 election, very deliberately try to trigger people and create dissension. You'll never get honest dialogue with such people. Once it is clear, once this is clear, just leave it alone. There ain't no point in wasting your time. The Quran tells us to be those who walk on the earth in a dignified manner, and when the ignorant address them, They say, peace. Often, what is lost in today's discourse is a sense of compassion for others. Many people have become so preoccupied with vilifying their opponents that they seem to forget that they're even human. The Quran sets out, Verily, Allah enjoins justice and the doing of good to others and giving like kindred and forbids indecency and manifest evil and wrongful transgression. These are timeless principles that teach us how we should behave towards one another. The Quran is telling us that not only should we set out with the very standard principle of justice and fairness to others, but we should elevate that to doing good to others. And it then enjoins us to go beyond that to the highest level of conduct with treating others like they're your next of kin. Rather than vilifying others, we should reach out to them with compassion. Even those who are hostile towards us or differ differ with us, we should not behave indecently with any type of harshness or abuse. The Quran forbids us from engaging in evil acts even if those acts are committed against us first. And it absolutely forbids us to initiate any wrongful transgression against anyone. The Prophet Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was always willing to look past the hostility of his adversaries. One such adversary was a man named Abdullah bin Ubay, who was a leading chief in the town of Medina. When the Prophet Muhammad migrated to Medina from Mecca in order to escape intense persecution, the town of Medina received him with open arms. Medina had been torn by decades of tribal feuds and saw in the Prophet a man who had a history of resolving conflicts, and so they made him the leader of the city. Abdullah bin Ubay felt as he had been stepped over and became hostile towards the Prophet, becoming a leader of the disaffected in the city. Although he outwardly professed to be Muslim, he became known as the chief of hypocrites because he took every opportunity to undermine the Prophet and his companions. His long list of transgressions included abandoning the Muslims in the defense of Medina and pulling away a third of the army, leaving them vastly outnumbered and in a precarious position. He spread malicious rumor about the Prophet and his wives and constantly undermined the peace and security of Medina, which was being attacked from all different directions. It reached a climax when he derided the Prophet, declaring, now wait till we return to Medina then the most honored one, one among us shall surely expel the one meanest among us. The Prophet's companions were incensed by this. Abdullah bin Ubey's own son came to the Prophet and said that if he wished to have him executed, that he, his own son, should be the one to do it. However, the Prophet's reply was, have no fear, so long as your father remains with us, we shall make our companionship pleasant to him. After a few years, he passed away. The prophet went to lead his his funeral prayer, but his companions objected repeatedly, citing the many evil acts that he had committed against them. The prophet stated, God gave me a choice. I was told to plead forgiveness for the hypocrites or not. But even if I plead 70 times, Allah would not forgive them. If I know that I can exceed 70 times, I will do so. So he led the funeral prayer and even provided his own shirt as a shroud to wrap the body in. We see in his example that the Holy Prophet held no malice against those that were the most vicious towards him. He was constantly seeking to bring peace to those around him by remaining civil and not letting the way others treated him compromise his principles. It is unfortunate that many acts of goodness and compassion are often drowned out by evil acts of hate. But sometimes a single act of compassion can become a path to understanding in a time of conflict and hurt. Muslims worldwide were horrified by the recent terrorist attack on a mosque in New Zealand and the large number of innocent lives taken in this tragedy. But then something happened that we are not accustomed to seeing. It was as if the entire nation of New Zealand reached out with sympathy and compassion. Huge numbers of people gathered throughout the country to lay flowers at mosques and show their support. Millions of dollars were donated to the affected families and the government covered the funeral expenses. The call to prayer was played on national television before the Friday prayers. Non-Muslim girls wore a hijab to make Muslim girls feel safer. Laws against gun violence and hate speech were passed within days. We saw the loving compassion that Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern responded with, visiting the Muslim community to provide love and support, hugging and shedding tears with them. The Muslim community did not ask for any of this, but we were moved and immediately knew that this was the type of compassion and leadership that the world needs today. If the intention of the terrorist who committed this evil act was to kill some people, then he succeeded. But if his intention was to divide the people of New Zealand and inspire hate, then he failed miserably. It is this spirit of compassion that the promised Messiah proclaimed as a model for Amity Muslims to follow. He wrote, the principle to which we adhere is that we have kindness at heart for the whole of mankind. If anyone sees the house of a Hindu neighbor on fire and does not come forward to help extinguish the fire, most truly I declare that he does not belong to me. If any one of my followers, having seen someone attempt to murder a Christian, does not endeavor to save him, I most truly declare that he does not belong to us. In order to bring change, we have to make this type of compassion the norm. We must turn away from those who are vindictive and seek division and not promote their hostility by repeating their words or even giving them attention. His Holiness, Hazar Mirza Masrur Ahmed, the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, has stated that publicity is the oxygen sustaining most terrorist or extremist groups. He also said instead of conflict and division, we desire for people to live alongside one another in peace and harmony. We seek to build bridges of love that unite all of mankind. Discourse and debate are important for the advancement of humanity. The founding fathers of our great nation recognized this and it is at the heart of the First Amendment. It is a means through which we advance and through which we can overcome great obstacles. However, the benefits that we get from productive discourse are diminished when it is not accompanied by high morals and good behavior. If we include honesty, civility, empathy, and compassion in our discourse, then we will take a great step towards ending extremism on all sides and living together in peace. I want to thank our guests for coming here today, and I pray that together, we can have a positive impact on civil discourse and bring people together and create better understanding. <clears throat> so that brings us to the conclusion of this session. I would request that you wait a moment we have a few announcements and then we will adjourn. A meeting of the Messiah Secretaries and Presidents will take place this evening at 6.30 p.m. in General Meeting Room Road 1.